Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. And that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. It is no secret, fellow conspiracy realists, that this is one of our favorite times of the week. We put a lot of time into this. Always, always say that you are the most important part of the show. And this is a Thursday where we put our um, mouths where our mouth is. Whatever. Where our (laughs) moneymaker is. Fine. Yes. Yeah. Why not? And uh, so Noel, Matt, Doc, Michigan Troll, Scully over there behind me. We're always so excited for this part of the week because we comb through voicemails. We read every email we get. We find um, anonymous sources that have reached out to us through any variety of means. And the only problem that we 
will always have with this is that we we can only choose so many uh, stories for today's show, for the listener mail segment. But we have got so much great stuff lined up and we cannot wait to share it with you. Uh, today, we are traveling through time. We're traveling through more than just a universe. We're traveling through a metaverse. And we got an excellent question from a certain putz uh, who wants, <laughs> and that's not being mean. You'll see why. Uh, and a certain putz who um, was asking a question that I think more people should be asking, but let's, you know what I mean? Let's go big. Let's start big today. Let's start with a boom. What do you think, Matt? Should we start with a boom? Yeah. Boom. I like the Macho Man vibes. Oh, yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. To a Slim Jim. (laughs) So, remember those? We're going to begin in New Mexico with a message from Big Boy. Hey, guys. This is Big Boy over here in Alamogordo, New Mexico. So, about two weeks ago, we had four sonic booms, one right after another, which is a fairly common occurrence because we live right next to the Holloman Air Force Base and the White Sands Missile Range where they frequently break the sound barrier and shut the highway down for missile tests. But what was weird was the timing. It was later at night, typically when they have a no-fly time. And I have a friend who works on the flight line and he was working that night and he said not a single plane had left the airway. And he also said the nearest air base was in Albuquerque. And typically if they didn't take off from here, they would have come from there and they would have had to have landed in Holloman unless they did some mid flight refueling. But there was no one around There was no planes taken off. And then right after it happened, all the military police were going around doing basically like street checks just to kind of quell some confusion. He was asking some guy, one of the MPs, what was going on. And he said, you know, don't worry about it. And the first thing you think of when someone says don't worry about it is something suspicious. So anyways, thought you guys might like to hear that. Love the show. Take care. Oh, you know, we love to hear it, big boy. Man. So don't sonic booms usually go like one after the other when it happens? Like, aren't they sometimes like big one followed by a smaller one? Uh, it depends on the the speed uh, and the nature of the aircraft. They're overwhelmingly, but not always caused by aircraft who are like the most co- who are huh, who are the most common um, objects capable of traveling faster than the speed of sound. Also, shout out to Royce Five Nine, boom. DJ Premier, check it out if you haven't heard it. Matt, you would especially would love it. Noel, you would love the beat too. Body better duck. Or Ooh, run. I love a good beat. Ooh, snap. Well, speaking of beats, let's talk about that percussive sound of 761 miles per hour being broken, which is the yes. sound barrier, guys. Um, it's an interesting thing that humans can create vehicles that can travel that fast, that can 
do this feat, right? Create a sonic boom that sends out a massive pressure wave that uh, makes everybody's house go just a little bit. Can break windows. Uh, sonic booms cannot be great for you know structural integrity, <laughs> depending on how close the boom is. Uh, but even then, it doesn't doesn't have to be that close because it is a pressure wave. Oh yeah, in your ears. Not great for your ears. Uh, thank you, Ben. <laughs> um, oh, and, and I'm a big dummy. Sonic booms only happen once when the when the sound barrier is broken. So if there were multiples, it would have to be like multiple planes, or the speed could vary. Yep, and yes. happen multiple times because of so acceleration down. and deceleration. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, you'll see it often. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys remember watching air shows with like F-16s or some of the yeah, Tomcats back in the day. Stuff, and, right? Sure. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, but that's also, you're raising a really important point there because since like the early 1970s, it has been illegal in the U.S., to fly a craft such that it makes a sonic boom over a densely populated area. It's one of those rules that is so specific, it feels like it's for billionaires. You know, it's like, Elon, please, or Bill Gates, or whomever was around in the 70s. They were like, don't fly these things over Chicago or whatever. But here in uh, the fair metropolis of Atlanta, we were quite, I don't know, there was a little bit of a controversy during the, uh, pandemic when the Blue Angels flew over this city. It was part of um, like a recognition ceremony, like a morale booster. And people were also asking valid questions about why this expensive spectacle was taking place. But in their defense, it was already a, a training exercise that was scheduled. So just that real quick. Well, and the air shows are like morale things. They're almost like military parades. They're they're like a show of of might in a certain sense, but also masquerading as like a fun family event. And when a show of force like that is going to happen, or you know, a spectacle like that is going to happen, and there's an announcement. Hey, this is going to be happening. Generally, that's how it occurs. Right. Even when there's when there are going to be sonic booms occurring due to the flights uh, at an Air Force base, like out there at Holloman AFB, where our caller Big Boy is around, like in Otero Big County, boy. which is right over there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. O- Otero County, New Mexico, right near the White Sands National Park, near the mm-hmm. missile range and all of that. Uh, there will be a warning issued, such as the one that was posted on krwg.org, which is a local NPR station out there, affiliate and PBS station. They put out a notice on January 15th, 2010. This is just an example. Uh, they said, hey, uh, officials with the 49th Fighter Wing have announced that Holloman, the Air Force Base, is hosting an aerial exercise involving a number of aircraft, and it lets you know when it's happening. It's going to continue um, this week until January 22nd, then in 2010, and it gives you details. You know, you may experience sonic booms, and uh, the sonic boom that was experienced on the evening of January 14th was related to the exercise. So letting the people who live in that area know this kind of thing happened and will continue to happen. Well, something very similar occurred on January 25th of this year in a couple of places, not just in the area immediately surrounding the White Sands Missile Test Area in the Holloman Air Force Base. 
If you head on over to almagordonews.com, you can read the story, quote, Sonic booms heard in Otero County were from Holloman Air Force Base night flights. And it's a situation where there was not notice given to the surrounding area. This is an after-the-fact situation where a bunch of people went on Facebook and Reddit and other places and said, hey, did y'all hear that crazy loud series of booms <laughs> last night? Right, 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 right. And, you know, maybe not everybody has a friend the way Big Boy does who happens to work at Holloman, uh, who knows when flights are coming and leaving. Uh, so everyone was just freaked out. Well, at least on in this case, on January 20, around January 26th, so probably January 25th, uh, it was, in fact, at least according to the news and official sources, a series of flights, night flights of F-16s that were flying around making big booms at night. It, let, let me just give you a quote here from this article. Quote, we did confirm with HAFB, that's Holloman Air Force Base, they are flying nights. If you see an explosion or fire, please call 911. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, get right to it. No, no, you know, it's a group effort. I like that. Involve your local community, right? Uh, so post it on next door, you know, like get the, uh, the air force in there, just like posting on next door. Yeah. Yeah. Well, next yeah. door, U S official post <laughs> post. Hey everyone <laughs> fire last night. Can anyone tell us what happened to this jet? And someone responds, Hey, cause people on next door are always atrocious. Someone responds, Hey, the real question is who is pooping in my yard? I was literally going to say that, Ben, get out of my head. Because <laughs> I don't I don't think it's the chihuahua down the street anymore. It's just too big. I did the These poop poops math. are too big. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, this is, <laughs> but this is important because like a sonic boom is something that we talked about this with the, the problem of satellite surveillance. A sonic boom, like a satellite, cannot at this point really be disguised. If people want to know about it. There's not really a way to hide it. Um, I think sonic booms are pretty impressive because it's kind of cool that humans have reached that point where they can beat the speed of sound. You know, it makes me optimistic about some workarounds for the speed of light um, at some point. But with this, like, uh, like you're saying, Matt, due to the inherent transparency of a sonic boom. If you are around the area when it happens, you're going to hear it unless you are um, unless you have a medical condition that uh, damage has damaged your hearing. You're you're gonna know. You're gonna know something happened, and because of that, the people in charge or the institutions in charge of creating these sonic booms do have to, like, it is now in their best interest to be accountable for it. Uh, the only time that, I, I don't know, maybe we'll get to this in a second, but missiles also create sonic booms. You may ask why you're not mm -hmm. hearing them. We have an answer later, I imagine. Uh, is it because of the altitude? Or is it, I don't know. I honestly it, don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> It is. It is. Uh, we can answer it now. So when a rocket is launched vertically, like it comes up mm -hmm. from the silo. I love that we mentioned Dr. Strangelove. So it comes up from the silo. It's over now. The war is hot. 
uh, <laughs> something went wrong in Ukraine, right? And then you'll see the, you know, the t- I'm doing prop work here with my hands, but you'll see the silo open up, you know, and then boom, 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 boom. The ICBMs or what have you start flying. And once the, when the missile initially launches, it's subsonic. Subsonic is just a fat, uh, an easy way of saying it's not breaking the speed of sound. And then once it goes supersonic, once it breaks the speed of sound and is like angling toward whatever, uh, whatever country happens, and I, I hope the nukes never launch, but when it goes supersonic, that shockwave is created the same way you see like water ripple behind a boat uh, at speed. But this, by the time this hits supersonic level, that wave, if you can picture that wave, is propagating above your heads, uh, above your hearing range, unless you are insanely tall. Like unless you are kaiju level tall, you're not going to, you're not going to hear it. Uh, and if you hear the scary part is if you hear one of those rockets zoom horizontally past you or it's directly over you, once it goes from vertical to horizontal, you could probably hear it if it's large enough, if it's close enough. Um, it's a fun fact. Dude, bullets are technically supersonic, right? Like the speed of a bullet is faster than the speed of sound. Sure. But they're, right? they're so, tiny little, they're just tiny little guys. Okay. <clears throat> okay. No, I'm just joking. I don't know anything about physics. Uh, I mean, think about all those <laughs> ripples they cause in bullet time, you know? Like, they literally cause ripples in time space, right? That's all real, right? Well, I mean, this is this is somewhat tangential. I'm just, if anything, I just find the, the science fascinating. You can check out HowStuffWorks.com, what causes a sonic boom, if you want a pretty great explanation. That's awesome. And it's actually good that we're talking about that, about altitude, about pitch and all that, because I'm going to read a tiny bit more from the Almogordo Daily News here. Uh, Quote, there were F-16s from Holloman Air Force Base flying over the Tularosa Basin last night around 9 p.m. that did produce sonic booms. The F-16s were flying in airspace at an altitude authorized for sonic events. That's important because, again, generally when these things are happening, it's in a place where they should be happening, where it may lessen the impact on surrounding citizens and at times generally that aren't going to impact the citizens. Um, In many of these, like the late night booms that have been heard, not just in this New Mexico area, it is at different times. It is uh, when there are not confirmed Air Force Base operations. Think about this. That same day, January 25th or 26th, in Tucson, Arizona, there were sonic booms heard. Now, in Tucson, Arizona, which is about a seven-hour, eight-hour drive from Otero County, from where the Holloman Air Force Base is there in New Mexico, we're talking 500, between 400 and 500 miles, depending on which route you take, Um, not as the crow flies. That's a long way away for a sonic boom to be heard. Mm. And it was happening at the same time. And there were the same booms. If you go to KOLD.com, which is CBS Channel 13 News, uh, you can read the story. More mysterious rumbles reported in Tucson area. Now, whether or not you believe these are actually the sonic booms or not, uh, that's up to you. I don't necessarily think they're related 
There are people going to Facebook saying things like, quote, it sounded like something fell on my roof. It rattled my house. Another person Ooh. said, quote, yes, I heard it and it sounded like a boom and it seemed like the top floor of my house shook. It also happened sometime last week, maybe Friday. Um, there were just a bunch of people talking about this and giving their own experience of some weird booms that occurred in their area. But a sonic boom wouldn't necessarily like have physical repercussions unless it passed directly over your house, right? Because it would if require you- like a proximity effect. It's the same way of thinking about microphones. Like, I mean, approximately, you know, you can't, a microphone won't pick something up unless something's like, you know, within a certain distance of it and it lessens the further away from it you get. And depending on, you know, which side of it you're on or front to back. Yeah. Just so, uh, the thing is a sonic boom can affect, it, it can damage hearing. Definitely. Uh, it can also, yeah, it can have physical repercussions. Think about, think about how, uh, if someone has a rollicking bass system, you can feel it because you feel the vibrations. Air is a medium. Air a is shock not wave, a vacuum. Right? Like right. an explosion causes a shockwave that can damage internal organs if uh, proximity right. is close enough. Yes, correct. So, in this case, we have some interesting stuff here, big boy, because it sounds like we have multiple confirmations. Multiple people heard this sound. It must have been close, you know, relatively speaking, must have been close. We're able to physically cause vibration. Does that mean that there is a conspiracy afoot? I mean, possibly, uh, but again, we run into the problem of transparency. There's, there is at this point not an effective way to hide a sonic boom if people are close enough to sense it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, agreed. And I'm going to give you a little bit more from ch- the Channel 13 article here from KOLD, uh, and this is Dan Mary's or Mari's writing. He says, these mystery booms have been happening for years. They've been described by many like an earthquake, but don't register as one on the seismometer at the University of Arizona College of Geosciences. And that's the case with Monday's boom, which is the the one we're talking about. Um, and here is a quote from Fort Huachuca, which is there uh, fairly close to them. They said, quote, the Air Force Thunderbirds, which are planes capable of supersonic flight, arrived here from New Mexico for two weeks of training, but there were no sonic booms as supersonic flight is prohibited in this airspace. What they likely heard was a little afterburner as we did a site survey upon arrival. Mm. Possibly it's just afterburner sounds, maybe. But here's the last thing. We got a message from someone named Jess several weeks back, about three weeks ago, who lives in New Orleans, who was also reporting, as were many people around her, that there were strange, loud booms occurring in that city. And again, this is about three weeks ago today, so I think that was, I don't know exactly, but it was mid-January when we received the message from Jess, and she sent us several. Um, All right. That was all, those booms were happening. Uh, the message that we got from Big Boy came to us on the 8th of February, so about like last week. Uh, that's a pretty large span of time where there are many booms. There are many aircraft out many there that, that, the, uh, that the United States Copious Air Force booms. is actively flying. We don't know if it's those. We, don't, we just don't know yet. Uh, but this is an interesting thing that I want to look more into, and I'm definitely on, on the rabbit hole train. What, what's the like 
I mean, maybe no one's implying there's any nefarious implication here, but what's the like secretive weird implication here? The secretive weird implication would be that there is, there are non-publicized tests, tests or operations or training exercises, which That's all militaries do. Yeah. And, and the spooky thing about that would be that for that to be true, there would have to have been a cost-benefit analysis that concluded it's fine to just ignore the sonic booms, to bury them <laughs> under history, <laughs> and just and just gaslight people, which has happened so many times. Shout out Operation Large Area Coverage, uh, where innocent people were uh, victimized by Uncle Sam. In uh, in an experiment, in a training exercise to see what would happen if you just sprayed a bunch of stuff over a city. That's a true story. Um, can't wait to tell you more about it. But with this, Matt, you know what this makes me think of? The, the issue here is that we, to determine this, we need help from our fellow conspiracy realists. Because years and years ago, we looked into a mysterious phenomenon called the hum. Uh, and the hum, right. right. The hum was easier to hunt because it was a relatively continual sound or sensation. Uh, a sonic boom is, I was thinking about this the entire time leading up to this, like a sonic boom can occur with a non-man-made thing. But for that to happen, it would have to be exceedingly rare that and that means that if there is a sound of that magnitude, and if it is indeed created by an object surpassing the speed of sound, there are people behind it. There are usually going to be people behind it, but because it's not, do check out our episode on the hum. We did find the answer, but do, do like ask yourself who would do this and why. I don't think there are any like prosumer pieces of equipment that, any of us could own that cause sonic booms yet. Mm, Street Fighter 2. Street Fighter 2. Sonic, sonic boom. boom. <laughs> well, we've done our bit for Capcom. Uh, Matt, do, doesn't that seem where we go with this next? Like when we hear one thing that's beautiful about being part of a crew that rolls this deep, us and, and all our fellow listeners, is that we can kind of, we can attempt some crude triangulation and we can do like, if you give us some more information about your neck of the woods, then we can kind of crowdsource things. That's how amateur astronomers and stargazers figured out what was going on with the Corona satellites, which again, you know, I get my opinions about the CIA and the Keyhole program, but just objectively, that was really impressive. Um, so I guess we, we would need, we would need the help of, uh, everybody in the area to figure it out. But I have to ask you, Matt, Matt, just on record, on air between us, the NSA and everybody listening, just us, what do you think's going on? I think the NSA listens to the podcast. That's sweet. I, it's no, like they're listening intern. to this. They're listening to this part. They don't actually listen just to the podcast. Oh, the, the capture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got it, got it, the keywords popped up. Okay. What do you think? Though? What do you think? I'm so interested. I, I don't know what, I don't know what to think right now. Honestly, I, I don't have a viable best candidate other than just undisclosed flights of, of maybe an aircraft that we're not supposed to know about. 
Because you can, if you look at the flight records, you know, you could prove, oh, that wasn't an F-16 that was flying unless the flight records were flubbed by, you know, like Holloman Air Force Base or one of these places that just pretended like the experimental aircraft was an F-16. I don't know. It feels like the best move would just to say, no, that wasn't us. That wasn't a thing. Nope. Right. (laughs) Right. It wasn't me. I mean, what are the consequences? Uh Oh, they lied to us. They lied to Channel 13. Uh, what? <laughs> so what? I mean, it's... You've made sucks. a powerful regional enemy in the local <laughs> cable market. I mean, it sucks to think about that, but let's uh, let's take a break. Thank you so much for calling us, big boy, and leaving us that message, letting us know about this. We'll be right back with more messages from you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. 
Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. And we're back. Um, You know, much ado has been made about this whole metaverse. One of the biggest social media companies, the originator of the concept of social media, Facebook, changed their name to Meta. Got a lot of skin in the game, it would appear. Um, Companies like Microsoft have thrown their hat in the ring. And there's a lot of chatter about this being, you know, the next big thing. And there's reasons that that likely could be true. Uh, The question is how soon and what is it going to look like? Um, But uh, in our conversations about this previously on previous episodes, apparently we happened upon something that piqued a listener's interest. Uh, Listener Chip wrote in and had this to say. Hello, I'm a regular listener to your show, stuff that I want you to know. And recently in a few discussions about the metaverse, you have unknowingly or knowingly hit upon some interesting theories that have made me think of the possibilities of virtual time travel with people having all their info and likes, dislikes and regular daily happenings posted on Facebook or other social media. And in combination with Google Earth, is it possible that Facebook or meta could be building a complete time relative model of the world, including the people and their personalities, according to Facebook routines and records. So years from now, or centuries from now, even, um, it would be possible to virtually go back in time in the metaverse and see and perhaps even talk to your ancestors or your virtual younger self. Those that are more involved in social media would have a larger footprint in their meta. Scary stuff, but also interesting to think that several hundred years from now, a future relative could step into a meta suit or helmet and virtually walk into the town I live in, see where I lived, where I worked, and perhaps even meet a virtual me and have a conversation. Thanks for getting me thinking. I love the show. Keep up the good work. Chip. Mm. And then he gave us permission to use his email and his name as we saw fit. I love this. Mm -hmm. Um, It makes me think of a very web 1.0 technology called the Wayback Machine um, or the Internet Archive. There was also something called, I think the Internet Graveyard was a thing for a while, but it mm-hmm. essentially is a, a record of like a snapshot, sort of like, you know, you got your time machine backup on your Mac if you're a Mac person. And you can theoretically go back to any point in time and recreate the way your hard drives and file structures existed at that exact point. Uh, and that's what the, the Wayback Machine theoretically allows you to do, to, to look at a website as it existed on a certain day, um, you know, in a certain year, in a certain minute, theoretically. And given what we know about the way the metaverse could operate, the idea that this is taking the web as we know it and making it fully four-dimensional, three, three, I mean, I don't know, like, what, what is the fourth dimension? Smell? Uh, three-dimensional at the very least, um, explorable in much more of an immersive way at the very least. And if you could capture this data in a similar way, you could conceivably do something like this. It it really reminds me of an episode of Black Mirror. I can't remember the name, but it involves bringing back a loved one from the dead, essentially, using Mm -hmm. their uh, social media footprint. Um, And of course, the, the inevitable Black Mirror moment of that episode, the kind of Twilight Zone monkey's paw situation is that like, it's not really that person. It's just it's fed by how much that person 
fed the internet algorithm, fed the social media algorithm. And it happens that the character in the show was super active on social media. So to Chip's point, some people that have a more robust footprint are going to have a more true to life recreation of themselves in this, you know, theoretical concept here. Um, But at the very least you could recreate the world. I mean, think about how all these Google cars that, that roam around and, and take footage of your neighborhood are capturing a moment in time. Like if you've ever, if you've ever tried to look at your address uh, on Google Earth or Google Maps or whatever, um, you'll you'll see the moment that they uh, they caught you, and you'll be like, oh, that was when I had this lawn chair outside that I was painting. That was that one day, you know. Um, and so they're capturing that moment in time, but if you could like accelerate that or run them more frequently or, you know, deploy a larger, um, you know, fleet of these types of capture devices, you could conceivably go back in time to some semblance of like a real depiction of a moment in time at the very least, you know, in terms of like the layout of a location and the way things look, because we all know we've all been back to our hometowns after having not gone for a while and, Things change, you know, things that you remember from when you were a kid are no longer there. They're replaced by Applebee's, presumably. And it's weird. It can feel very like you're stepping into a dream or something. And that's what this makes me think of, you know, Hmm. like the idea of being able to kind of explore, you know, the past. It's not really time travel per se. It's just a recreation. But if the more data, I mean, that's the thing too about the metaverse. It's all about the volume of data that can be captured in the highest fidelity possible, right? Like in, in all respects, in terms of um, pixels, in terms of audio, in terms of like literal data that feeds these algorithms. It's all about the volume and the ability to just like have a more robust recreation of whatever it is that you're experiencing, whether it's a website or, you know, uh, walking through a street. Um, and this is really fascinating, and I hadn't really thought of this, but it really is something that's very comparable to the Wayback Machine. I just wanted to chat about this. I think it's really fascinating. Well, let me uh, let me weigh in. I've got thoughts on this one, of course. Yeah. But, uh, so I'm um, probably technically older than most uh, living humans. Uh, so, <laughs> like Methuselah uh, over here. So the the concept of social media. It goes back to the the old telephone game of oral folklore, right? The stories we tell are ultimately always stories about ourselves. The human species is inevitably obsessed uh, and has such a crush on itself. This uh, everything you describe, Noel, is I would say not only a fascinating thought experiment, but also increasingly plausible. However, there yeah. are pr- problems with this chip i i don't know if you've how far you've walked down this rabbit hole but i'd like to ping some things because i thought your letter was so awesome so first first off yes the idea of recreating someone or their personality is a huge deal and it is going to happen at some point it's one of the first things we talk about in our episode on the potential future paths of immortality. The idea of a facsimile, of something that has verisimilitude such that it can reliably answer the way that living person would have answered when they were organic. That is a thing that is on the way. um, And because even the most powerful, wealthy people 
in the history of peopling are still just people, it's going to be something they want to do. Uh, and then that will, here's what's going to happen. Part of that leads into the idea of sentience, right? When will this, will this copy of a person be able to go to court and say, you know, like, um, like, well, I'm not Ted Turner prime, but I'm Ted Turner one a God damn it. And I do have control of TBS. Uh, like, is that like that legal case, something like that can plausibly occur now. And uh, it's something sci-fi writers have been thinking about for a long time. But the the second thing, and the thing that doesn't get reported a lot about this, is the idea of, okay, yes, we will create this amazing thing. We will create that moment in Black Panther where T'Challa is able to go speak with all of his elders throughout history oh, who yeah. have been Black Panther at some point, who have been the king of Wakanda. That That's a very, very close, um, it's a very close, accurate interpretation of what this situation you're talking about, Chip, could look like. However, in this case, since these things are created by private entities, we must always ask the question, what happens if they just decide to edit history? They can do it now, right? You don't have to hunt down every physical book if you have a metaverse. You can just say Martin Luther King's comments uh, when correctly sanitized are all well and good, but we don't want him talking about class war. So You mean like they do with history books? Right. (laughs) They teach in school? Yeah. Exactly. But now it is is a book that has no – like now in a in a metaverse, in the kind of metaverse we're discovering in this thought experiment, there's no need to inform people that history has been changed in a way that benefits, you know, folks important to those private industries. And that is f***ing dangerous. Well, it's also the, a question of intent. Like, is this all just for a lark? Is this all just for funsies to be able to, oh, I'm going to go back and talk to my great grandpapa, Steve. You know, that's cool and like quirky and like a neat thing to be able to do. At what point does it transition from a lark to like the way history is recorded? Because that's, I think, what Chip is getting at. Big picture. Is this the way history is remembered and, and re-experienced and uh, and captured? You know, mm-hmm. while it lasts. While what lasts? History or the metaverse? Yeah, yeah, history. Uh, the ability to record history. Uh, so I'm sorry, sorry, guys. I don't mean to be that pessimistic. Um, my point is, why would they face backwards? and record all that stuff and spend all the time and resources to create this model of the past for, for my money. And I think for Meta's money, they're more interested in the future. What may perhaps collecting that stuff in the past will help them figure out what each individual person or what major trends will occur in the future, which is essentially what they're doing right now. But, yes. but like but the predictive they can model. sell it. They can sell yes. it though as like a neat feature. And then people are on board because who wouldn't want to go back and talk to grand grandpapa Steve. <laughs> and tell me more about myself, grandpa Steve. You know what I mean? Like I can't wait for you to talk about me to me. I'll pay for that on a monthly basis. There's always basis. a hidden intent with this kind of data gathering, but you have to sell it as a fun experience 
to, to make mm. people okay with it, you know? Well, Matt's Matt, you're a hundred percent spot on, dude. Uh, as ever. The the idea so so long as these are private entities, for-profit entities, the ultimate goal will be to build a predictive model, a series of predictive models that enables you to address the concept of time and moments that have not yet occurred uh, with uh, an unprecedented degree of sophistication. I've alluded earlier to like old contacts at DARPA who are um, – technically going to be like government academic industry folks they're much further along with this stuff than you think you might be surprised folks you might be surprised to know that sometimes experiments like that are not turned off or aborted because they don't work they're aborted because at certain points people involved have had that I'm cursing a lot in today's episode, but they've had that oh shit moment. What are we letting out into the world? And further, think of this. So the idea of something like the metaverse, branding aside, the idea of the thing is already on the way. And we know not everybody agreed with us with our characterization of the possible problems with the metaverse, and that's fine. Um but we were we were raising some of these red flags because we currently live in a time where people still can raise those red flags. And the ability to edit history, the ability to dictate the future, yes, it's classic Orwellian. Dude called it a while back, but he's not the only one calling it. And this is not just um, a bunch of fun what ifery. Not anymore. It, it, it can happen. And to me, you know, the, the thought experiment now is like, what happens, let's say this current house of cards collapses. Ecological disaster means that humans are no longer around. Uh, you have for a couple of centuries, maybe you have something like a really good safe satellite or you have like a Hoover Dam you know, providing power to something. And then Earth doesn't need people. That's pretty clear. So so after the age of the Anthropocene, some other thing, fast forward, fast forward, fast forward, some other sentient thing either arrives on this planet or evolves on this planet. And they, can you imagine what a head trip it will be for those folks to find a copy of human civilization? Like they can go and talk to you know, very heavily documented like celebrities and politicians of note. And they won't know what celebrity is. They won't know what politics are. Humans are going to be confusing. It would be as if we could travel <laughs> back and like kick it with a velociraptor. Really veloc grill that velociraptor, you know, right. about his preferences and what kind of toothpaste he likes to use. Right, right. Like, that's amazing. Ben, I want to make this, uh, I want it to be a movie or, Dan, if you're listening, an episode. Uh, future species evolves on planet Earth and they discover, they come upon this AI replica. It's the only AI replica that exists. The only one that was ever fully manufactured. And it's of Kanye 2022. Uh, and it's just, <laughs> that's the only human they ever experienced. It's just Kanye 2022. Well, there, there's a concept in, marketing specifically internet marketing called a lookalike audience mm -hmm. and it's where you create 
essentially like using you know the clicks and likes and what what have you of a, of an actual engaged audience and like create almost a copy of it so you can reach new people that have the same exact interests and this is just a long tail version of that you know what i mean like the most and i might be misrepresenting this concept a little bit any marketers out there let me know but i think i kind of get it and 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 this is why to your point, Matt, this would be brilliant to be able to do this. And the only reason that they put any resources into doing something like this is because it creates this long tail kind of ability to create historical like lookalike audiences, you know, uh, the way people's tastes and things have evolved over time. And that's the only reason to do it for real monetarily. And then they sell it as a fun time machine. We're killing it with like thematic through lines here. Uh, on today's today's segment, because uh, we're talking about the importance of history, and we're we're going to see even more of that as it evolves. But yeah, I'm super into the idea. You know what I mean? All civilization becomes is a time capsule. <laughs> where, where, like, uh, I love the idea. I'm tickled. Chip, this is a great letter, uh, and Noel, your exploration here is spot on, man. I'm grateful for this one. I'm I'm grateful for y'all's. Uh participation in this exploration your exploration participation um i knew it'd be a fun conversation (laughs) so uh, on that note let's take a break and we'll be back with another piece of listener mail Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. And we have returned. We have one more story to share with you. A conversation from our fellow conspiracy realist. This call left me with uh, some questions. Not necessarily related to the content of the call, but uh, I do want everybody to know the call cuts a little short. It goes right up to the three minutes, but send off aside, sans send off. I think this is going to be something that's very exciting for us to explore together and off air, Matt Knoll. Uh, there are some similarities to this person that gave me just a bit of a conspiracy theory. Let's see what you think. Uh, right. Let's hear Let's hear from Lionel Putz. Hi, gents. Um, you can call me the well-read redneck. Um, you can use my voice and uh, my name. Uh, and anyway, I'm calling because of all of everything going on with the critical race theory, the uh, 1619 project, and then backlash, of course, that we see burning books, etc. that there is what seems to be at least an increasing divide. Uh, um, I call myself well-read because I've read into the past and so forth. And uh, one of the very distinct parallels I see is my readings about colonialism in Africa, when you read about it and really get into depth, you realize that most of the ground soldiers were simply working a job as they saw it under what they believed to be noble intentions uh, of spreading Christianity and ending the slave trade as Europe was getting out of the slave trade. But uh, since um, some of Central Asia and so forth was still, and parts of Africa were still very much involved in the slave trade. So they saw it as a noble intention. Though while they were doing that, of course, they were affecting the tribes in different ways. While they didn't see it um, that way because of what they were being taught and so forth. And now we go into the modern and we see how. Um, obvious oppression of uh, 
black and other minorities, uh, I think is pretty undeniable to most who actually take a good look into it. But we are seeming to ha have this backlash. Um, we are definitely having this backlash of people who are not understanding that they're just being taught what the upper people want them to think. And I worry from everything I read and understand about these different uh, critical race that we are not addressing that these people, um, poor white people that I grew up like, as why I called myself a redneck, I grew up in a poor white rural area. They're not addressing that these people aren't understanding that they are just pawns and they are being told noble intentions when it's not. Uh, is there an effort being made that I'm not aware of to try to better educate these? So the last line there would be better educate these people or these groups. Um, let me let me first start by saying, Lionel, thank you so much for taking the time to drop us a line. You're raising some, some fantastic points here and some valid arguments. And secondly, I don't think that's your real name, dude. I, <laughs> I have some suspicions, uh, but they will be off air. You can call to confirm if you wish. Uh, in, in this case, though, um, critical race theory called CRT is something that has ruffled a lot of feathers recently in the United States. And I think this goes line in line with the dangerous possibilities of private entities controlling virtual history. Because we, we've done a number of examinations on the idea of controlling the past, right? The, the fact that history is not just a conversation, but it's often an acrimonious conversation. In some cases, it, it is very much like a war. Like the history books you are going to read about World War II are going to be wildly different depending on which country that high school is located in. And that's something everyone has accepted as normal. So with all of that, you have, if you've lived in the U.S., you have heard different comments about what's called critical race theory. From an objective standpoint, before we get to before we get to the point you raised, Lionel, from an objective standpoint, the theory or the the, the kind of argument, the observation of critical race theory is that so many aspects of modern institutions and society and groups and communities, uh, they, these institutions have racism baked within them. They are part and parcel of the thing somehow. And that is why it is so difficult to try to abolish racism. It's because, uh, like, obviously, anybody who has been around human children you know that the, the kids themselves don't start off liking one, one kind of person more than another or disliking one kind of person more than another. They just get taught this stuff in oh, yeah. ways, yeah, in ways that are non consensual, in ways that are often insidious and subtle. And to your point, you can feel bad about the fact they're subjected to that to a point, right? And then they become adults and are just racists. 
at that point, right? Well, you know, also a lot of people, I, I would... I would posit that a great many of the 8 billion currently rooming together on this planet don't think of themselves as racist. Absolutely not. You always say that you're the hero in your own story, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. Everybody's their own main character. And at least in my experience, your mileage may vary, folks. But in my experience, most people on some level want to think of themselves as the person who's figured it out. You know, you're a bit of a maverick, right? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, you you like one kind of music, but uh, you're saying to yourself, I have surprising things about me. You know, a lot of people don't know that I'm really into the history of spoons in the 18th century or whatever. I'm just making up a thing. It's right? a fascinating history. It is a fascinating history. To be fair. <laughs> so, uh <laughs> Cutler itself is a fascinating history. That is accurate. But so the idea here is something that has become a rallying cry for um, various, especially state-level politicians in the U.S. The idea is that it is – well, the laws here in places like Idaho are laws written to ban the concept of teaching critical race theory because it is – considered by those who object to it uh, to be unfairly calling one sort of people or another uh, uh, inferior or superior. And this is a bad that what racism argument. does. <laughs> well, it's, it's a bad faith argument, obviously. And, and the, the issue here is that if you look at the history of systems objectively, if you take a structural approach uh, we mentioned this in our um, mentioned this briefly in other conversations, but you guys remember when we were talking about um, so-called eco-terrorism earlier. We talked about the disadvantage that a lot of developed countries uh, push upon developing countries, where they say, "Okay, we have historically made so much money, so much profit out of all these things." That put us where we are, and we're telling you that you cannot do it. Of course, folks are going to be ticked to hear that. And the you can you can hear arguments where people say, like, hey, that's unfairly putting a lot on me. You know, I wasn't alive in the 1600s or what have you, or I wasn't alive in the 1800s. Right, right. Yeah, that's an appropriate time to sigh, I think. I'm sorry. I, I, I just mean it's history. Like, it, isn't critical race theory just about accepting the wrongs of, of, of past versions of ourselves and learning from those mistakes? I, really quickly, I didn't know how to define critical race theory in my mind. It's when a we relatively new this. concept that's been thrown around. I mean, not new, new, but like in terms of like the politicization of it, I think it is a bit divisive. I would love to hear what the official you know, version of what, what it is, is. I mean, I would just be reading from Britannica if that's okay, you guys. It's kind of long. I'll I'll go as quickly as I can here. Uh, Britannica.com says critical race theory is, it is a intellectual and social movement and loosely organized framework of legal analysis based on the premise that a race is not a natural biologically grounded feature of physically distinct subgroups of human beings, but a socially constructed culturally invented category that is used to oppress and exploit people of color. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Like that's, that's the other thing. This is, this is an academic legal concept. 
it is more than 40 years old. Like, again, oh. as we see so often, the eggheads, the boffins, the really, really smart people. The boffins. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love uh, that so thank much. Thank you, United Kingdom. Uh, have been talking about this for a long time, and people in positions of political or corporate power just didn't want, didn't want to talk to, about it. And sometimes in positions of spiritual authority, which that one especially is kind of gross, right? Doesn't that position, though, kind of fly in the face of people that do want to have a racial identity? Like culturally, like, like isn't that like sort of like denying that to people? You know, um, I, I'd love to have an expert in the field on in, for an episode in the future. But from from what I'm what I'm understanding, the primary issue is that folks are trying to explore intergenerational detriment. That occurs like, you know, to respond to that, to respond to that criticism, like, hey, I wasn't alive in the 1800s. Guess what? Most people weren't. Most things that you would consider human are, are not from that time period, but they are benefiting or they are suffering from the long tail consequences of the events that occurred at that time. So like what one great example would be to Take the concept of mortgage interest deduction. Shout out to everybody who didn't fall asleep right as I hypnotized you with those three very boring words. We're not going to huh? talk about what? math. Too, right. We're not going to talk about math too much. I promise. 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 And just to be clear, I was just responding, and Matt, correct me if I misunderstood. The definition that you read is saying that race in and of itself is a construct. Whole, whole, yes. like full stop, right? I left out the one of the most important things from that definition. I'm so sorry, you guys, that I did that. I just uh, I started reading it. it was fairly long. The next part from Britannica is critical race theories hold that racism is inherent in the law and legal institutions of the United States, insofar as they function to create and maintain social, economic, and political inequalities between whites and non-whites, especially African Americans. Well, I don't like it when people just describe like whites or blah 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 these are all people if you're listening to this you're a person Every, everybody else is surprisingly similar to you despite the varied circumstances of their history their past or their future like we always emphasize people want the same stuff People don't like to think of themselves as bad. No one wants to be bad, or most people don't want to be bad. Um, but the, the, this like, is yeah. true. This that was is Britannica, remember. <laughs> right, right, that's Britannica. Um, and they have their own history, for sure. But the thing is that if you really look at the big picture, humanity is all in some way related. And people have their own identities, that have been at times foisted upon them, perhaps, or associations, or identities that feel like core definitions of their prime personality and if and their experience. And if that is the case, people should be able to do that. But the problem with racism and the reason it persists is because it, for many people, especially people in power, it incentivizes a lack of critical thinking. I draw our attention once again 
to that monopoly experiment I referenced in does being wealthy make you a bad person (laughs) because people are great at rationalizing away their advantages and saying, no, I'm actually just really good. The odds weren't stacked in my favor. It's not like the other people were running the same race, having to carry a backpack of bricks. It's just that I'm super like I'm super good. Uh, Unfortunately, that is, while that might be a little bit of cognitive umami for a lot of people, it's not true. And civilization inherits these things. I I remember, I always remember the poem by Philip Larkin, which has a terrible title. The title is This Be the Verse. Ignore the title. He was wrong on the title. Uh, but But the poem itself, which I hope everybody gets a chance to read, speaks a little bit about um, inhumanity to man, about intergenerational trauma, and about the effects of it that haunt this species like a shadow since the dawn of this species. And this means that when we we see things that are institutionalized, there's not an isolated incident of some like boss hog type figure saying, I really hate insert here group, you know, like I really dislike the Roma. I don't like the Roma in my town or, you know, these Welsh are overrunning the VA city hall lions club, whatever. I'm just picking local Applebee's (laughs) local Applebee's. They're ruining the Applebee's for H. (laughs) Right. Right. Uh, But the, the reality of the situation Here's where you get to Lionel Putz's points. The reality of this situation is that class warfare is a real thing. We've found numerous examples of this, and the people and institutions in power, almost anywhere you go, are glad to exploit those divides. George Carlin, who is often a great orator, often confused with a stand-up comedian, um, but I think history will prove my assessment correct. George Carlin has a great point where he says, there's a big club. You're not in it. You know what I mean? Like the, it is to the advantage and to the um, benefit of a very harmful status quo and hierarchy to divide people and set them in opposition as much as possible because when you keep the great majority of human beings who, again, all just want the same thing, they all want their friends and their loved ones to be safe and to think they're cool. If all of those people had an honest conversation about ways to make things better, it would present serious existential challenges to the status quo. So are there like not everybody in the field of CRT agrees with each other? It's interdisciplinary. Which means there are a lot of different voices in the room. But but to shut that exploration down the entire time, it's like worse than burning books. It's saying you're not allowed yes. to print them, right? Um, and we're just gonna we're just gonna use firewood for our rallies. But it, I, I know this can ruffle feathers because people also in general don't like to feel attacked. This is not a um people against each other people situation. Not really. This is an opportunity for one of the biggest co-op multiplayer games ever. It is possible through honest exploration 
of the past in an objective way. It is possible to take lessons from that and apply them to the present and perhaps even more importantly, apply them to the future such that other generations who come after humans don't have to don't don't have to deal with the same gross injustices. I think that's the issue that I'm taking with like this super overly laser focused academic definition of critical race theory. It seems like it's describing something at its heart very basic and just like the idea of learning from the past and printing history accurately. <laughs> that's that's all I'm saying. At this point, uh, I think we have we have we have maybe lit a match. We cannot wait to hear your thoughts in this regard. Uh, I know today's this week's segment went a little long, but we hope that you did enjoy it. Uh, we need your help figuring out mysterious sonic booms in southwestern America. We need your help figuring out who should rule the past and whether they can use those tools to rule the future. That that applies to both our conversation about CRT. Uh, that applies to our conversation about metaverse and virtual history. Um, I think we also came up with some good pitches for some trippy animation. Uh, and who is Lionel Putz really? I got some suspicions. But at this point, we're gonna we're gonna pause. We're going to go off into some very strange rabbit holes. And we cannot wait to hear from you. If you want to take a page from your fellow conspiracy realist and contact us, uh, we are scooting up to the edges of our seats <laughs> right now. We are so easy to find online. Oh, the internet. Where for art thou the internet? We for art on the internet. Uh, you can find us under the handle Conspiracy Stuff, uh, where we exist on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Also on Facebook, you can find our group, Here's Where It Gets Crazy. Uh, if you want to find us on Instagram, you can look for the handle at Conspiracy Stuff Show. But what if you want to use the telephone and give us a little ringy dingy? You can do it. Use your phone. Call one eight three three stdwytk When you call, please give yourself a cool nickname. We appreciate that. Let us know if we can use that name and your voice and message on the air. You've got three minutes. Say whatever you'd like. Uh, it's, it's especially fun if we can all laugh together because it is the best <laughs> medicine in these times of in this sad and somewhat scary time that we live in. Uh, that would be great. That would be really cool. Do us a solid. Let's laugh together. If you don't want to leave a message, you don't like phones, instead consider sending us a good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Listener.
Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.